Right, awesome. Well, I just want to go ahead and pray before we start. So, dear Jesus, thank you so much for everything that you have blessed us with here at this church. Lord, I thank you for a great community of people. Lord, I thank you for great pastors and great leadership. Lord, today I just pray that you speak through uh, each person uh, how you want to speak. Lord, help it to be your words, not ours. And uh, Lord, I pray that everybody's heart is ready to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I wanted to talk to you guys about something. And then this morning, as I was sitting here, uh, God came in. He was like, all right, we're going to just change everything about it. So uh, it was pretty cool. He wrecked my plans. But luckily, I had something uh, that I immediately connected it with. And I'm going to tell you guys a story. So back when I was in high school, uh, like early high school, uh, I thought I was a little bit cooler than everybody else. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, so weird for a high schooler to think that, right? Um, But So during the summertime when we would go swimming, uh, I wouldn't wear swimming trunks. I like to wear basketball shorts just so I could be different, right? Um, And so we we went to the lake one summer, me and a couple of my buddies and their their family and everything. And uh, who in here has been tubing before? Yeah? Oh, man, it's so much fun. If you have not been tubing, I'm not talking about the snow tubing. I'm talking about when you get in the lake, you hook it up to the boat, and you just send that puppy off, and you ride on the back of it. It is so much fun. So we were doing that, and uh, I was hanging on for dear life and hoping that I wouldn't drown or die. Um, and then uh, I'm getting down to my last straw. I'm holding on my pinky. The boat's going on, but I'm dedicated. I'm not going to fall off this tube, right? Like, I am in it to win it. We're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, as I'm holding on, I feel my shorts go, I let go of the tube immediately. (laughs) And there I was floating pantsless in the water. And as the boat rolled back around, they say, why aren't you climbing back in the boat? I said, can you throw me a towel? (laughs) And then we rode back and it was a very awkward ride back (laughs) because I was with my friend's family. So it was, uh, it was, it was a, it, it wasn't fun that day, but now looking back on it, it was hilarious. But I tell that story just to say, and to get to the point that sometimes the very thing you're holding on to is the thing that's killing you the most. Let me just tell you something right now. If I would have let go of that tube way earlier, I would not have lost something that was so near and dear to me. But how many times do we do this in our day-to-day lives, right? Like how many times do we just say, I need this. I need this relationship. I need, I need my attitude because I deserve this attitude. You know, I, I, I was treated wrong. I, des- I deserve to treat them this way. You know, I, I need to hold on to this. But in all reality, like the video said, that's the thing that's killing you. It kind of reminds me of this guy in the Bible, and I'm going to talk about it. His name is Jonah. Who in here has heard of Jonah, right? He got swallowed by a giant goldfish. And um, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be really cool. And I'm actually going to talk about right before that. So um, Jonah 1, 5 through 15, okay? We're going to read this story real quick, okay? They're not going to have the verses up on the screen, so I need attention or in your Bibles, you know? It's going to be all good. So Jonah 1, 5 through 15, he gets on the boat because God called him to Nineveh, and he decided that instead of going to Nineveh, where God called him, he was going to run in the opposite direction. I've never done that before in my life, right? (laughs) But, so, Jonah gets on the boat to sail in the opposite direction. They're on the water, and all of a sudden, a big giant storm just starts coming in and wrecking up the ship, 
okay? And Jonah is asleep on the bottom deck, okay? Uh, and all the sailors are kind of freaking out because they're about to drown. And so we're going to pick up right there in the story. And it says this. It says, all the sailors were afraid and each cried to his own God because they all worship different gods. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Because the sailors saw that their gods didn't work, so now they're trying to turn to someone who might save them, right? And how many times do we do this? How many times do we make God our last resort? Instead of going to him first, in the first place, right? Instead of bringing the issue to him to begin with, we let it destroy our lives, and then we're like, okay, God, I'll give it to you, right? Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us join lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah, the big J man. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? What's your Instagram? What's your Twitter? From the people, from what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they said, what have you done? Because they knew he was running away from the Lord, the God of man, he just said, right? Because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? Now I want you to pay attention to this part. You ready? Jonah says this. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm is upon you. Jonah's saying right here, I, I'm, I'm just making this a point, that he is the problem. He's saying, yeah, I'm the problem. Get rid of me, and things will be fixed. I want you to remember that just for a second. Instead, the men did their best to roll back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable. And then they threw him overboard. The, the, the storm stopped. He got swallowed by a giant goldfish. And you know, you guys, most of you guys know how the story goes, right? But the thing I wanted to point out, like I said, was that Jonah was standing there saying, hey, I'm the problem. And then the sailors proceeded to throw the rest of the cargo that wasn't the problem off of the ship. And I'm sitting here, and you know what that tells me? That you know what your issue is. But you decide to turn the other way and not look at it. And you try to throw everything else out, and it never works. And then you sit here wondering why the storm won't come. When the issue's sitting here screaming in your face, Hello! I'm your addiction. You need to get rid of me right? So you know what the problem is. My question to you is why are you ignoring it? Get the Jonah out of your boat and your sea will calm. Guys, I'm only up here for five minutes. That's all the time I had. <laughs> That's all the time I was given. But I wanted to tell you guys and I wanted to talk about getting that Jonah out of your boat because the temptation to do it can be so, so, so hard, right? So, because we feel like we're doing the wrong thing when we get Jonah away. So Pastor Johnny's gonna talk to you more about temptation. So go ahead, 
Clap it up for Pastor Johnny. He's going to come right up here. Thank you, Andrew. I think we need to uh, rethink the order because that is a tough act to follow. Uh, I, want, I don't want the moment to pass. We have to celebrate today right now because we started Celebrate Recovery last night. We're going to get that Jonah out of the boat. Boy, we all, you know, yeah, two snaps. We all were like that, you know. I hear you. You know, that's from old school. Uh, but praise the Lord, we had 26 people show up for Celebrate Recovery last night. Every Saturday night at 6.30, if you got a hurt, hang-ups, and what's the other one? Habits, thank you. Uh, we want you to come and start doing some serious business. Awesome. Okay, so in Matthew 4, Luke 4, Mark 1, uh, we see the story of the temptation of Jesus Christ. After he was water baptized by John the Baptist, he was full of the Spirit and led into the wilderness of Judea for 40 days, and it looks like this. That's fun. Hey, grab the kids, let's go camping. This looks like the perfect place. Less than 12 inches of water per year. Uh, this place doesn't grow anything. There are no sheep out there grazing in the, in the pasture land. Uh, the valleys are very deep. The slopes are very sharp. Getting anywhere in this wilderness is going to be tough. That's where Jesus went. That's where the Holy Spirit drew him into that wilderness. For 40 days, he was with the wild beast. Now, I don't know what kind of wild beasts were out there, but they had to be tough enough to live there. But that's what Mark said, that he was with the wild beast. He ate nothing. Nothing was growing. There was nothing there for him to eat. He became hungry. And after 40 days, he became hangry. Hangry. I mean, I, if you really think about it, he's probably close to death. 40 days without food. I, you know, one day after food, you think I was dying. But after 40 days, and that's when the tempter came at his weakest moment. He said, son of man, turn these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus replied, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now this got personal for me this week. This is what it meant to me because this was an answer, uh, a prayer that I prayed Wednesday. Search me, O God, and show me if there is any grievous or wicked way in me. You know what? If you pray that, God's going to answer you. <laughs> And then you've got to have the courage to accept it. Lord put his thumb right on me. Okay, Johnny. Pastor Johnny. We want you to look at this. Mine was pride. Ooh, you got, ooh, pride's one of the worst ones. Pride, oh, that can hide in the corners. Uh, you can dress that up and it looks okay. Pride can ruin everything. So pride, he stuck a pen right in that. And this is what it meant to me. I cannot live on my own. I cannot provide for myself. There is an end to my resources. I will become exhausted at some point. I cannot live by my status, my talent, my position. We as a whole cannot live by our bank account, our wealth, our 401k. 
All these things will be inadequate at some point. Money markets can fail. You can lose your position. You can lose your health. You can lose your independence. You can have a stroke. And all of a sudden, your whole world changes. You can get COVID. And all of a sudden, you're down for five days at least. Your world turns upside down. That's when Satan comes in. That's when he comes at you at your weakest point, when you're hungry, you're tired, you're lonely, you're angry. But we will live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The words that come from God's mouth today are, in Jeremiah 29, I know I have plans for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Don't believe the lies of Satan, that you're used up, you're no good, you're condemned, you can't change, you're trapped in this way of life forever. Because here's what the words that are coming out of God's mouth to you today are. In John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that you might have life through him. And if you believe in him, you will not be condemned. That's God's word to you today. God's word to you today is secure. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. You can build your life on that. That's what's going to remain. In Luke 1, the word of God will never fail. How many guarantees do you get in life? No, none. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> uh, but you can build your life on the fact that God's word will never fail. Proverbs 35 says God's word is true. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. God's word is living, active, powerful to tear down the strongholds. In 2 Corinthians 10.4, it says, use mighty God, God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. Let me read that again. Uh, <laughs> we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Ephesians 6.10 calls it, our sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. It can slice and dice. It defeats doubt, fear, pain, disease, anything that you need cleared up. It's going to clear up in your mind, body, soul, and spirit. Now, there's something amazing. Here's the miracle about what happens whenever you start to speak the true word of God. Faith is created in your heart. It's birthed. It's generated. When you start speaking faith into that voidless doubt that you have been holding on to, faith is burst like a big bang. And it is created in your life. That's why it's so important to speak the word of God. Because when you speak it, Satan runs. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now that's the word of God. You cannot live spiritually through our own efforts. It has to come from God. We cannot 
complete in the flesh what has begun in the spirit. You can't say, okay, God, I can take it from here. I think I, think I know what I, thank you for the good start. I think I can finish it from here. <laughs> that never works. Uh, trust me. Uh, Jesus is our source. He is our vine. We are the branches. We can do nothing on our own. And it's important to note that in each temptation of Jesus Christ in the desert, Jesus replied with God's word and said, it is written. And that's how we defeat temptation. That's how we defeat Satan. Now, that would be a good place to end right there. (laughs) I got one more point. You might be saying to yourself right now, why am I? in the desert? Why am I in the wilderness? The answer is in Deuteronomy 8.3. This is actually the scripture that Jesus is quoting when he responds to the devil. Moses speaking to the children of Israel, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In essence, what God is saying is, I had to show you I was God. For more on Jesus in the wilderness, I'd like to ask my good friend Trey Eck to come to the stage. Man, that uh, that was good stuff, Pastor Johnny. And doing this, it, it makes me feel like I'm back in high school making a presentation like an English class or something. And oftentimes my heart would be pounding, the nerves would kick in, and all of those feelings are still here today. But it's by the grace of God that I'm able to stand in confidence and present something. Usually he will take our inability for his kingdom so that he can receive the glory. And so I just wanna bounce off what Pastor Johnny was uh, talking about. And I want to go to Matthew 4, verse eight through 10. It says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all of these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. What is he trying to do right now? Satan is trying to steal Jesus's worship. And I love what he says. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And that answer is interesting to me because it is a possessive answer, right? Church, if you don't know this, our God is a jealous God. He desires you. He craves a relationship with you. And so I begin to think, what is it that I have that God wants? Like, what is it that we as people can give to God? And before I answer that question, I wanna share a story with you. A lot of you may know, some of you may not. I had a really cool opportunity to go to another country, Jamaica, a few years ago on a mission trip. And it was gonna be for six months, but you know, the Roni came through, cut it in half. Uh, Ended up being three months, but it was still good, once in a lifetime opportunity. But I remember preparing for this trip and I I wanted something out of this trip. I wanted an encounter. 
Like I wanted this thing to happen so bad. I wanted God to manifest himself so real to me so that when I shared it, it would inspire people. It would make people believe in the realness and the authenticity that God has. And this is something that I really, really wanted. So I remember the first week goes by, doesn't happen. Second week goes by, it doesn't happen. Third week, fourth week, fifth week, and finally I'm just like, excuse me, sir, do you see me? Hello, God. (laughs) And I begin to just say, God, I've given up so much. And at that time, I, I had to move out of the house that I was living in. I gave up that independent lifestyle that I had. I had to quit my job. I wasn't a supervisor, but I worked my way up to a team lead. It was a good job, good pay. I had to give up my car. This one hurt the most. I had to give up my baby bulldog. Her name was Jasmine, uh, but she's in good hands, so it's all good. But I just begin to list these things that I gave up. And very, how do I describe this? Very clearly, God silenced me. And he said, Trey, those were never yours to give. I was like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? Like, no, that, that was my job. I worked my way up. That was my car. I was paying that off. Those were my things. That was my life. God, I gave up seeing my family and my friends. Like, I gave up my life. What do you mean that's not mine to give? And he very quickly said, I gave you those things first. So I begin to think, well, what is it that I have to give? What is it that he wants? Can I give him my money, right? It would support the kingdom and and further what we as a church can do. Can I give him my skills, my talents, my ability? Is it my voice? Is it uh, a a communicating gift? Like, what is it? And I've learned that there's only one thing that you and I have to give to God. And it's our time, right? Because that is the one thing that God is in heaven curious. Not that he's like freaking out about it, but he's curious if he's gonna get it. He is sitting in heaven thinking, is Dylan gonna spend some time with me today? Oh, I would be so excited if Leanne spent some time with me today. I'm curious if Braylon's gonna spend some time with me. And what is Satan trying to steal from Jesus is his time. Because we give God our time through our worship. We give God our time through praying and through reading our Bible and through fasting and coming to crews and volunteering in a serve group. These are all things that we can give God our time through. And do you know what got Jesus through that temptation? It's because he knew who he was. How did he know that? Because when he got baptized right before he went into the wilderness, he comes out of the water, a dove comes down and a voice speaks from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Trey, that doesn't tell me who I am, right? But that's the foundation in which we stand. Well, how do I learn more? You gotta spend time with him, amen. Church, that's all I have for you this morning. And it is my privilege, it is my honor. We see this person every single week, but we're gonna get an opportunity to hear a different side of her voice. Can we show some love and make some noise for Pastor Ashley?
How's everyone doing? Um, super funny. I know Pastor Johnny was saying, like, what a tough act to follow with Andrew. Meanwhile, I have to follow all of you. <laughs> super. Um, wow. Oh, my gosh. So super funny. None of us expected today to go like this. Um, Lord, help me find my page in the Bible. There we go. Um, but that's totally fine because I think the Lord moves in the unexpected. Um, I think there's breakthrough in the unexpected, so we love it. Um, I know I'm the fourth speaker today, so I need everyone to do me a favor, okay? Repeat after me. I. State your name. Will. Take. Notes. No take backs. Get your notes out. All right, um, so first things first, I have a couple of questions for you, and these are not rhetorical, so I need your participation, if you will, and we need to be honest. Okay, let's be honest. How many of you guys pray every day? Y'all are holy. How many of you guys struggle in your prayer life? If I could raise every limb, I would, okay? Prayer has always been really, really hard for me. And I know we've been jumping around in the Bible, but you know, it's good stuff, okay? We're stretching, like Andrew said, we're stretching today. Um, and I'm gonna be in the Old Testament because I'm an Old Testament gal, um, and I just love it so much. So, since it won't be on the screen, if you guys have your Bibles, it's actually super crucial that you're following in Scripture. So if you guys have your Bible, whether it's paper, leather, it's glowing, I don't care, just get them out. Um, so this is what I like to call the five-step prayer template. Who works in like administration, like office kind of job? Do you guys love a good email template? It's where you don't have to type everything out word for word. You could just fill in the blanks. If you don't know what an email template is, you're missing out, okay? It's how I live my life. So this is what I love because it, this is basically a prayer template for those of us that struggle with our prayer lives. But also, even if you have a super awesome prayer life with the Lord, this prayer is gonna grow you. This prayer is gonna change the way that you communicate with God. It's gonna change your authority. It's gonna change your, your range and, and expand your reach to people. Um, so the scripture that we're gonna be in today is First Chronicles chapter four, verses nine through 10. Anyone heard of the prayer of Jabez? Mm, Y'all gonna learn something today. All right, so I'm gonna read this real quick. I'm left-handed, so just <laughs> give me a second. All right. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called him his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Okay, so first things first, say Jabez. All right, cool. In Hebrew, Jabez actually means pain, distress, and or suffering, okay? So names mean something in this culture. They mean something. They're a source of identity, okay? You're not just named because it's like cute and like aesthetically pleasing, like Indigo Dove or like, oh, <laughs> cute little like Adelie, like, it, like super cute names, but like 
that that's not the culture here. Their, their names have, have a sense of identity. And let me just give you an example. All right, so Jacob in the book of Genesis, his name means deceiver, right? What does he do? He deceives. He deceives his brother Esau out of his birthright, okay? And then later on in scripture, when Jacob wrestles with God, his name is changed to Israel, which means wrestles or struggles with God. Um, so names have a source of identity. All right. And his name was given to him by his mother out of her suffering in childbirth. So this implies kind of like a negative shadowing. All right. So first, I want you guys to look at the surrounding context of where these verses even are. Because, wow, we're literally in the middle of the genealogy of the tribe of Judah. Why? is the genealogy of Judah important to us? Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> the chronicler literally interrupts the entire genealogy of Judah, the genealogy from which Jesus came for this one guy. Like I've never in my life just been so, my eyes were open to the Lord and he was like, yo, um, this is important, so, okay. <laughs> Like, you don't interrupt the genealogy of Jesus Christ just because, you know? Um, so this is important. Um, so what I want to do, and this is where your notes come in. This is where your notes come in. All right. Let's break it down. It's my favorite thing to do. All right. Your first step is to acknowledge God. When you pray, begin by acknowledging who God is in your life. The very first thing that scripture tells us about Jabez is that he cried out to the God of Israel. Jabez is stating God's lordship and headship over his life. What do you think would happen if you started your prayer like that? God, you reign over every part of my life. You're my protector, you're my healer, you're my father. You started off and you gave honor. Imagine what would happen in your prayer life if you started by acknowledging who God is to you. The second thing Jabez said, he said, pray for God to bless you. What? Bless me? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Mm -mm, not me. Not me. That's a lot. That, I don't think I have the authority for that. That feels like a... That feels like it's above me. We're gonna cut that off at the root, all right? Because that's what we call false pride. You're not too broken for the blessing, okay? You are not too broken for the blessing. Jabez not only recognizes God as the one and only true God, but he acknowledges that blessings come from God alone. So when you pray, do it with a heart fully invested in the blessings of God. Third thing, I hope you guys are writing this down. Okay. If, I, if you get one thing from me today, it's no, know that I love when you take notes. All right. The third thing in his prayer, he says, ask God to grow your reach and responsibility. Yikes. We love it. We love it, all right? Many of us think that Jabez is simply referring to like physical land um, and like enlarging this 
territory that he has. However, if we look at the lineage of Jabez, we can understand that he's not merely speaking in terms of wealth and prosperity, but in terms of impacting the kingdom. So we're talking about your workplace. We're talking about the grocery store. God, please just enlarge my territory in the grocery store. It feels odd, but you know what? It's a prophetic action, so when you speak it, it will come to pass. Or when you are in with your family in the house, you can enlarge border there. You have massive impact there with your brothers and your sisters and your children and your spouse. You have massive impact. So Lord, grow our reach and responsibility. And he wanted his spiritual territory to increase, to claim generations for the Lord of Israel. So I just have a question for you that I want you to think about. Do you need to claim or reclaim some of the land that Satan has taken from you? Do you need to reclaim that land? Because now is the time. We're not messing around here. The fourth step in the prayer, pray for God to be with you and to stay close to you. This one's funny, this one gets me. Because Jabez wanted God to be in every moment of his day. All right, now there have been times in my life where I've had jobs and um, you know, I may or may not have gotten along with my coworker. So I remember this one time it was a while back, okay, give me some grace. Um, it, it was a long time ago. And I walked in and I was like, in my head, I was like, Lord, I'm just gonna need you to sit here at my desk and you just stay here, okay? I'm gonna go have a meeting with my coworker. I'm probably gonna cuss her out and you don't need to see that. <laughs> like he's not with you. <laughs> Jokes. No, it doesn't happen like that. You don't get to choose when the Lord is with you. You don't get to choose. Scripture says that he's always with you. And honey, always means always. You see, blessings will come, but blessings will become curses if it's not God's hand providing and God's hand guiding. The final part of the prayer, it says, pray for God to keep you from harm so that you will be from pain. And this is so important because the name Jabez, like we said, it means born with pain. His own mother named him this because of the pain she endured in labor. So, so when Jabez is praying, he's praying against what's been spoken to him. He's praying against what has been spoken, spoken over him. And that's his testimony. And he lets go of his shame that covers him in that. So when you pray, you need to come to God with vulnerability and ready for him to turn your weakness into his glory. But are you ready for that, truly? Are you ready for what that feels like and what that takes from you? In this prayer, I know sometimes, I remember in my church, this prayer was kind of misconstrued a lot because this is not from a greedy motive. This is simply Jabez, simply restricted by what's been spoken over him. His name means pain. We say here all the time that our tongues have the power of life and death, yeah? When something is spoken over you, you will start to believe it. 
So whether it's encouragement, you know, Trey, you're just always so full of joy. Like every time I see you, you just have so much joy. If I speak that over him enough, he's gonna believe that he's joyful. But if I'm like, Trey, you suck. Like you suck. What's he gonna believe? Right. When something is spoken over you enough, you will start to believe that. So what has been something that restricts your freedom? And as we close, I just, I just ask you guys to stand. And as we said, even though his actual name, Jabez, means born with pain, the author goes out of his way, out of his way to say that Jabez is honorable, more honorable than his brothers. Why? Because this prayer glorifies the giver and not the gift. What do your prayers glorify? God, I really just need you to like, give me this. That glorifies the gift. If you change simple language changes in your prayer, there's so much more power. Glorify the giver, not the gift. The purpose of this prayer is to not, not to get what we want, I promise you. It's uncomfortable. You pray this prayer, you're gonna be uncomfortable because you're like, Lord, be close to me. Well, he's gonna be closer to you than bread on butter, okay? He's going to be close to you and where he's close comes conviction. This prayer is meant to stretch you. So I just want you to close your eyes. Everyone in the room, just close your eyes and put your hand over your heart because we're just gonna be asking ourselves some questions. Are you wanting freedom from something that's been spoken over to you by someone or even yourself? Are you speaking death over yourself? Are you wanting to defy the hopelessness of what's been spoken over you and come before God boldly and to break free from that? So Lord, we just come to you. We just come to you right now. You're our Father, Lord. You're the Almighty God. God, everything changes when you walk into the room. And we acknowledge you, we acknowledge who you are in our life. We acknowledge who you are. And we just ask you to bless us. We just ask for your blessing, God. And we ask you for, for more reach, for more reach in our workplace, for more reach in our family, for more reach and responsibility in our finances, God. We ask for more reach. And we ask that your hand be with us and that you're close to us, God. So close, so close, God. Because if you draw near to us, we draw near to you, God. And we wanna walk with you, in step with you, like a brother, God. And we just ask that you keep us from pain, God. 
that you would pour out your peace on us. Pour out your peace on us, your comfort on us, God, your love on us, your goodness on us. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you're here in this room, that you're here in this room, God, and that you're moving.